A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about the intensification of the Cold War from 1946 onwards, particularly with regard to Winston Churchill's speech at Dayton, Ohio, um, announcing the uh, the idea of the Iron Curtain having descended uh, across Europe. Now, once again, we're having a look at James Patterson's excellent uh, general reader on America, 1945-74, the uh, brilliant book, Grand Expectations. And we're starting with his uh, examination of uh, how Truman received information uh, about Soviet intentions uh, from a variety of sources, uh, including uh, George Kennan. So... Um, the ultimate aim uh, of Soviet foreign policy, wrote Navy Secretary Robert Forrestal uh, in, to a friend in 1946, in April 46, is Russian domination uh, of a communist world. Patterson writes, Forrestal's opinion by no means determined American uh, policy. He was just one high official among many. But it, was reflect, but it reflected a growing consensus among top-ranking American officials that developed fairly rapidly in February and March of 1946. During that critical period, a rapid-fire sequence of events convinced all but a few American leaders that Soviet behaviour was offensive, not defensive, and that the United States had to act decisively if it hoped to avert repetition of the sad spectacle of appeasement in the 1930s. Now that's very interesting. Um, the message that uh, the the British experience of appeasement had sent to uh, America was that in all circumstances, um, dict- dictatorships, uh, expansionist, violent dictatorships needed to be confronted. Now there's there's no reason to suggest that that was the wrong message to to take. I mean, it is in, entirely conceivable that um, a second round of kind of appeasement politics might happen. What the um, uh, planners, uh, military planners in America were very mindful of was that how rapidly the British and the French um, strategic position deteriorated uh, from 1936 onwards with every successive moment of appeasement um, had the British and the French acted 
during the uh, Rhineland um, remilitarization in 1936, it is entirely possible that Hitler would have been toppled then and there. Um, the message of, uh, of, of appeasement, therefore, uh, or the uh, memory of appeasement, therefore, shapes the entire uh, Cold, War, uh, Cold War era. Uh, the first two events came a week apart on February the 9th and the 16th. On the 9th, Stalin gave a major speech in which he blamed monopoly capitalism for the onset of World War II and implied that it must be replaced by communism if future wars were to be avoided. Many Americans now perceiving an unrelenting ideological thrust behind Stalin's behaviour reacted with alarm. Now, the, the, I think one of the points that Patterson is making here is that it is this, uh, this rapid-fire series of events um, this it is the, the 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 pace of alarming incidents in early 1946 that convinced many Americans that um, what they're seeing isn't a series of, of isolated incidents or isolated episodes. It is a, a, an agenda, and also the pace of, of events seems to kind of impulse decision making in 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 Washington, which had been um, shifting towards an anti-Soviet direction. Uh, following the uh, the death of Roosevelt, and uh, in the winter um, of 1945, had definitely hardened uh, in that direction. The next event, uh, a week later, was the announcement by the Canadian uh, Royal Mounted Police that they had uh, arrested 22 individuals uh, on charges of trying to steal uh, atomic secrets um, for the Soviet Union. Uh, obviously, the uh, Soviet Union had invested in um, espionage uh, successfully across um, the Western world, particularly in Great Britain, uh, in the um, British Dominions, uh, and in the United States. And uh, the kinds of individuals who were engaged in um, Soviet espionage were idealistic, they were um, women, for example, in Great Britain like Melita Norwood, um, who was finally uh, uncovered as a Soviet agent in the 1990s, whose belief was that America, having uh, sole possession of the atomic bomb, would make nuclear war more, not less likely, and that in, all, in the interests of world peace, the Soviet Union must be given the bomb as well. The uh, announcement of the Canadian uh, atom spies um, triggered a, a new wave of investigatory zeal um, from the anti-communist House on Un-American Activities, um, which would, for the next half decade, uh, continue to make um, a huge amount of influence over uh, American life, um, as it looked deeper into all aspects of American life to uh, examine potential Soviet influence. Now, Truman was uh, no uh, master of foreign affairs. He was highly inexperienced and relied on Roosevelt's uh, old guard, uh, people like Avril Harriman and George Kennan. And so when he received um, in early 1946 the long telegram um, from George Kennan. It was um, uh, of immense influence 
over-Truman. Um, Kennan knew the Soviet Union. He understood, he spoke Russian, he understood Russian history, um, and he had um, had a, a long-standing knowledge of uh, Soviet life and culture. Um, he was a career diplomat um, in the service of um, the, uh, the United States, and for much of his career, he had been engaging with the Soviet Union, um, and he observed the Soviet Union um, in action across Eastern Europe and from within the Soviet Union itself. Uh, Patterson writes about him, learned and eloquent, Kennan went on to have a distinguished career as a diplomat and historian. He was conservative in the sense that he doubted the capacity of democratic governments driven by the dangerous winds of popular opinion to chart a steady and well-informed course in the world. He preferred instead a foreign policy guided by experts such as himself. He was also revulsed by the Soviet system, which he considered brutal and uncivilised. His long telegram offered an anguished statement of his views, which fell on especially receptive ears at the time. So, the Long Telegram was a, a document uh, from Kennan from, in Moscow uh, to the White House, which they do say, you know, in history, timing is everything. And the timing of the uh, Long Telegram is really important. It's a really important consideration when we, we are discussing it, because it falls into Truman's hands at uh, a pivotal moment of his decision-making. In it, Kennan wrote... Um, the Soviet Union, uh, or the, the Kremlin, used Marxism as the fig leaf of their moral and intellectual respectability, and the USSR was a political force committed fanatically to the belief uh, that with the United States there can be no permanent modus vivendi, um, that it is desirable and necessary that the internal harmony of our society be destroyed, the international authority of our state be broken, if Soviet power is to be secure. The, the letter, the, the telegram, set out uh, Kennan's view uh, of the, uh, the Soviet Union, that the Soviet Union was hostile, was expansionist, was not interested in productive dialogue, was not likely to find areas of compromise, and was waging uh, a, a global war um, of, uh, to expand Soviet interest. And, um, the way in which he conceived of the Soviet Union was that, um, at first glance, it appears that ideology, Marxist-Leninism, is powering forth um, the um, Soviet ambitions. But in, really, in reality, these were just uh, age-old uh, Russian uh, ambitions uh, for global power. Patterson writes, It would exaggerate the influence of the Long Telegram to say that it formulated American foreign policy for the future, but thanks in large part to Forrestal, who'd circulated it aggressively, who had circulated it aggressively among American leaders, it received widespread attention. It gave them a congenial theoretical explanation for what they already considered to be Stalin's anti-Western behaviour, that it stemmed from a combination of ideological and totalitarian imperatives deeply rooted in Russian as well as more recent Soviet history. This explanation was simple, clear, and therefore psychologically satisfying to American policymakers. Um, I already irate at Soviet actions. Um, so it, it gave 
people like Truman a prism through which to see the Soviet Union. Um, it was quite a simplistic document, uh, and they are often presidents are quite receptive to uh, simple, clear, and uh, easy to understand notions of how another country is is acting. Um, the, it also helped to explain the way in which Stalin appeared to be um, arranging his forces, uh, arranging the satellite states around the Soviet Union, and appeared to be responding to uh, international events. Later, the Kennan Long Telegram would found uh, will be part of the basis for the policy of containment, and it helped to present the USSR as the culprit for the breakdown in wartime uh, cooperation. Though, in all fairness, um, the British and the Americans certainly played their part in uh, arousing Stalin's uh, suspicions that uh, the West, uh, the Western powers, were happy for. Uh, Nazism and Soviet Communism to uh, devour one another on the Eastern Front. The, the number of times that both Roosevelt and later Churchill promised a second front in Europe, but this was mainly a Rooseveltism because Churchill didn't want a second front in, in Europe um, other than his uh, Italy strategy. The number of times that the second front, the cross-channel invasion, was promised and then postponed um, led Stalin to uh, really wonder whether his uh, allies in the West had any intention of actually taking on uh, the German army in, in any meaningful way. Um, uh, so the the idea that it was purely a, a Soviet, uh, the, the Soviet Union was purely responsible for the breakdown. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style of relations during the war. It's not in, entirely, entirely accurate. Um, the United States um, philosophy, the, the philosophy of the US government um, during the containment period, or from the telegram onwards, 
was that the United States must now cease being on the back foot, cease being um, conciliatory, cease trying to find accommodation with the Soviet Union and must be robust and uh, must be firm uh, when confronting the Soviet Union in, in all its acts and must uh, be able to present the Soviet Union, um, according to Kennan, with an alterable counterforce at every point where they show signs of encroaching upon the interests of a peaceful and stable world. Not that America in the 1950s, if you take the examples of uh, Latin America and Asia, was particularly contributing to a peaceful and stable world uh, overall. Um, Later, Kennan would uh, moan about American foreign policymakers after the beginning of the Korean War um, and um, claim that they had overemphasized um, the military uh, aspect of containment. Um, and as a result, they had created um, military alliances so huge, things like NATO, for example, and CENTO and SEATO, um, that um, placed the free world uh, against communism in a hyper-confrontational way. Um, he said that he never really um, suggested that it should quite be like this. However, it seems difficult really to row back from the conclusion that that's precisely what Kennan meant um, that when um, he said that the Soviet that um, the United States must be firm and there and present the Soviet Union with unalterable counterforce. Um, the problem that Kennan later came to see was that the creation of military alliances meant that the, the risks of nuclear escalation or escalation of conflict in general dramatically increased and as we can see throughout the Cold War there are a number of key flashpoints where that uh, when nuclear exchange became more and more likely. So uh, Kennan had hoped that, um, late, that the West would be uh, vigilant and respond to aggression but would not have created um, institutions as, as monolithically powerful. So how you square that circle is, is difficult to see, really. Kennan's final bit of advice was that if he could manage to contain the Soviet Union through this kind of level of vigilance that, wasn't vigilance that isn't hyper-militarised, that eventually um, waiting the Soviet Union out would be how you'd destroy it. You need to wait for its, its own brutality, its own inefficiency, its own backwardness, its own contradictions, its own weakness, to destroy it. And this is probably how most American presidents uh, hope things would play out um, whilst maintaining some degree of coexistence with the Soviet Union. Until, of course, you get to Ronald Reagan, who believed that uh, the policy was to win the Cold War and to speed up the end of the Soviet Union as, as rapidly as possible. A fortnight after the long telegram, um, Churchill, speaking at Westminster College in Missouri, made his famous Iron Curtain speech. Um, he had obviously been uh, voted out of office in 1945, but was still um, seen as this kind of um, titanic figure of um, wartime endeavour and statesmanship, um, and had been um, perhaps in the eyes of America 
who may, were perhaps regretting a little bit some of the kind of the cosy relationships between Roosevelt and Stalin, uh, the more shrewd of the two leaders in uh, objectively looking at Stalin, that's to rather ignore uh, a number of uh, Churchill's uh, mistakes and setbacks with the Soviets during the war, but we'll, we'll glaze over that for now. Um, at Westminster uh, College, he spoke of these suspicions uh, about the Soviet Union, uh, saying, From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended across the continent. From what I have seen of our Russian friends and allies during the war, I am convinced that there is nothing they admire so much as strength, and there is nothing for which they have less respect than weakness, especially military weakness. So again, uh, along with the, the Kennan uh, long telegram, this was an appeal to um, the, particularly the United States government to prepare itself for uh, a long um, military struggle or a, a, a huge military build-up uh, against the USSR. And that by building up one's forces, one prepared oneself for uh, dealing with the Soviet Union, even if one didn't have to come to blows. Um, Truman um, had uh, uh, um, arranged for Churchill to visit America um, and had arranged for Churchill to speak in his home state. Um, and he uh, rode um, out on a train um, with Churchill, playing poker together, um, from from Washington. Um, Truman introduced Churchill on the day. He uh, sat behind him on the platform while speaking. And that's all quite strategic. It's all quite deliberate. Um, Truman was a wily politician and knew about positioning um, himself politically and physically and was seen on, on the stage with Churchill. Um, he was seen on the stage with Churchill partly because you, you still have a country that is um, where there are, large, there are significant isolationist attitudes. Uh, it's a country where Churchill was respected after the war in some parts and in other parts not so much. Um, and it was a country um, that Truman had begun to believe needed to be roused out of complacency and prevented from taking the view that what happened beyond America's borders after the war was now no longer... Uh, anything to do with America or in America's interests to, to engage with. Um, so what Truman was doing on the day by uh, attending the event with Churchill was explicitly endorsing what Churchill was saying and giving a strong hint that these things would later be adopted into US policy um, and was signalling that um, the uh, there would be a change in uh, policy towards taking on the Soviet Union. So from February to March 1946, uh, the new politics of containment emerged in, in that sort of six-week period. And it's always really fascinating to see how it is that sort of intellectual and policy shifts happen in short spaces of time, and what the events are that seem to be shaping these. Um, Patterson writes, During this time, the United States moved the Sixth Fleet to the eastern Mediterranean, and stepped up its protests against Soviet pressure in the area. This response seemed to bring results. 
By late 1946, the Soviet Union withdrew its troops from northern Iran and seemed less insistent on its demands from Turkey. The Truman administration also refused to let the Soviets play a significant role in the post-war occupation of Japan and resisted communist pressures to reunite Korea under North Korean domination. Uh, though cool to the Chinese nationalist regime of Chiang Kai-shek, which was widely known to be corrupt, Truman encouraged Marshall, his emissary in China, to try to resolve the civil war there and agreed to significant congressional appropriations, $3 billion between 1945 and 49 in aid to Chiang. In Germany, the United States stopped shipment of, repair, of, of reparations out of its zone of occupation and began moving into uh, moving to an anti-Soviet consolidation of American, British and French zones. And it's worth bearing in mind that these first efforts begin before the Truman Doctrine is announced in 1947. Um, there's an entire year of events that follow, and we're going to uh, explore those uh, in the, the next few weeks. So um, the the policies of the Truman Doctrine kind of predate the Doctrine itself. Uh, and they, the Truman Doctrine is kind of a, a political statement that is created by the events that are occurring that are kind of beyond the ability of any US president to control. And the result um, is that uh, America uh, isn't able to uh, simply return to its pre-war situation, its, its, its pre-war status as a, a, an isolationist power. Um, uh, and, and instead uh, has to take on this kind of proactive role in the world, which it continues uh, until uh, the uh, end of the Cold War and, and beyond. Only currently is this status of uh, America as the kind of multilateral defender of um, liberal democracy starting to uh, be come under serious uh, serious challenge uh, with the current incumbent. Uh, anyway, we'll finish there for now, and thanks very much for listening to the Explaining History podcast. Once again, can't carry this on without your um, support. You can catch us now on Spotify, if that's your preferred way of listening. So look us up on the Explaining History uh, uh, podcast. And uh, do remember to leave some uh, friendly feedback if you can. Uh, Thanks very much and we'll catch you next time. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.